0: Weekends can make for strong beginnings, especially when you start each week with RU Recovery. They meet every Friday night at 7 at the Lord's Locker in Trafalgar. Whatever addictions you may be struggling with, drugs, alcohol, or even problems like eating disorders or depression, RU offers the help you need. Plus, you meet some great new friends who understand what you're going through. RU is a faith-based program that's open to anyone who's just looking for something that works. So why not make this your first weekend for strong beginnings with RU? RU meets Friday nights at 7 p.m. at the Lord's Locker, 106 East Pearl Street, Trafalgar. For more information, call 317-319-0125. Thanks for listening to the New Revival Podcast. I'm Levi. And I'm Beth. And on today's episode, we have Benjamin and Wendy Burks. Benjamin is the International Director for the RU
1: Recovery Program.
2: And Wendy is the Director of First Impressions for RU Recovery.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Um, I'm Levi, if you haven't, or forgot my name. Uh, this is my <laughs> wife, Beth
1: and if you
0: wouldn't mind introducing yourselves
1: my name is benjamin burks i'm the international director for the ru recovery program ministries in rockford illinois
3: all righty and i am wendy also known as his wife (laughs) and also known as mom to josh caleb and hannah but i work at ru recovery ministries as director of first impressions and i was also a group leader for over 12 years
0: Okay. Awesome. Thank you, guys, very much. Also, too, yeah. There's no. I have uh, notepads and pens here if, if you guys would like. Would you guys like a notepad?
3: Sorry. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. Yeah. So this episode, like Beth had mentioned earlier, we interviewed Dave last week, and he kind of introduced introduced us and our listeners to the RU program and uh, what RU recovery program is and kind of how it how it flows. And so we kind of want to expand on this and. Um, Kind of asked a little bit more detailed questions and some, also some things that we've uh, written down from the training. I was only able to come Friday night, but Beth was able to come Saturday as well. Yeah, I so. took
2: lots of notes.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess kind of on the whole introductions things. Um, how did you two meet? How long have you been married?
1: We've been married. Got married in 1990, and uh, we both went to the same Bible college. And my wife, uh, I went in 1984, but ended up getting double pneumonia, and so I sat out of college a year. And uh, my wife came during that year and got plugged in working on what we call a bus route, picking up boys and girls, bringing them to church. And when I came back to college, the bus director gave me a bus route, and it was her bus route. And so we started serving the Lord together in 1986, wasn't it? No,
3: that would have been 1988.
1: 88. There we go. Okay. All
0: right. So um, where are you guys from? I know... um, I know RU is based out of Rockford, Illinois. Is that where you? you
1: yes, that's the headquarters, and we moved there 18 years ago to be the international director and to work in this ministry. Okay, and
0: Wendy, you said you're originally
1: from this I area, am, Indiana. I
3: am from this area. I was born in Indianapolis, and I grew up in a little town called Cloverdale, not too far from here, but I. Cl- even closer to here when i was four and five years old i lived in barkersville so. okay
0: yeah real close to here mm-hmm. then you were welcomed with about six inches of snow and some wind and everything Yay. else yeah. this weekend
1: <laughs> yeah they're blaming us and we bought it from the midwest up in chicago area but, <laughs> but at least to- <laughs>
3: you're used to it it wasn't like yeah it wasn't thing. too bad but um <laughs> those windy curvy back roads are a little bit different than what we're used to yeah. up in rockford <laughs> so.
0: yeah all right um so, what kind of ministries have you guys worked in together? I know you said you started off in the bus ministry together. Um, h- how long have you guys been involved in RU or how are you introduced to RU?
1: We're introduced to RU. Let me back up just if I can. Yeah, you yeah, that'd be great. The other question. Um, Wendy and I, when we finished college, we went to, um, down to Arkansas area and we helped a man plant several churches there and worked for a year or so. And, and then I pastored for six years in Virginia. And um, shortly after that, I went into full-time evangelism in my home church. And that's where I um, heard about the RU program. The found, one of the co-founders, Paul Kingsbury, the pastor of that church um, in Rockford, Illinois. My pastor came from that church when I was 14 years old and became my pastor in Lynchburg. And so we've always been connected with Paul Kingsbury and North Love. And so one of my responsibilities as a staff evangelist was to put together a men's conference. And all weekend long, Paul Kingsbury preached on the subject of Such Were Some of You, 1 Corinthians 6, and how Paul had started this church and reached the addicted in that community for Christ. And uh, that's, that was the introduction. And uh, I knew... God was going to have me go to Rockford to see what in the world they were doing because I had such a heart for people and such a heart to help people like that. Uh, When we pastored, we had men that were drunkards and people that were involved in addictions. And and I guess as a pastor, I had decided I don't know how to help them. I think many people come to that conclusion that we really don't know what to do. Paul Kingsbury, the founder of the program, said that's what he felt When when Steve Currington, the founder of the RU, who was out in the drugs and alcohol for 10 years, when he walked back into his church, he wondered, what am I going to do with him? How am I going to help him? And um, so that's where the RU program began.
0: Okay. Wow, you guys were in it from the start then.
3: Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, not too long after it started, we got involved. My husband started one of the first RUs outside of Rockford, Illinois, Um, When he was in evangelism, we were on staff there at his home church in Lynchburg, Virginia, and we started an RU there. And a year and a half after starting one there, God moved us to Rockford to work at the headquarters and help Steve to take the ministry. Um, Word started spreading. He started it as just a Bible study, and word started spreading about what God was doing in the lives of people and transforming lives, and they were actually helping people and being successful. And so word spread, and churches started inquiring, and it started growing, and it was growing faster um, than Steve could really keep up. Because the truth is, the need is great, mm-hmm. and churches want to help people and need the tools to do so. So we moved to Rockford. When um, when we got there, there were 67 RU chapters across America, mostly in Michigan and Illinois, and Indiana. And now they have we have started 1,264.
0: Twelve hundred sixty-four in the
3: United States. We are in now thirty-nine foreign countries as well, mm-hmm. and um, where our telephone rings weekly. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: And, and what year was that? It
3: was what a, year? was it? Was it ninety-eight
0: when he started? It? 96, Ninety-six. it Started that's as right. a Bible
3: okay. study. In two thousand, it started going into other churches. Man, it's yeah. just really
0: taken off. Then, mm-hmm. well, wow. Beth, I'll let you get to the next question.
3: Um, let's
2: see here. I'm sorry. Okay, so I know you said this is an international ministry. So, like, you guys came here to kind of help, like, Dave get all the training and stuff in. Do you guys go to other countries and do that? Like, do you, do you go to all of them and help get them started? Or are there other people that help with that? Or
1: We, over the years, have done many different things. Right now, if a church was interested in helping the addicted, they could go to rurecovery.com. And on that website, they would find a, a, a tab that would tell them how to start a chapter. Mm-hmm. And when they click on that tab, currently, they could come to Rockford, Illinois. We have about 10 opportunities every year. In fact, next week, we'll have, oh, 15 to 20 people in the room. And uh, we will do Thursday and Friday training. And the last thing they'll see is the RU class. And it really clicks then. They really see what in the world this is all about. Um... We've also put that in 15-hour training uh, thumb drives. And so people can order that thumb drive and a set of the materials and go through that at home if they just can't get to Rockford. There's nothing like experiencing it. You can go through the training, but experiencing it is so very important. And uh, so right now if somebody wants to start a chapter, they can either – uh, come to Rockford, or they can get the training. And then Ms. Burks and I just have the privilege to travel. There's, um, oh, I've got uh, seven or eight other men and, and ladies that travel and help churches and train and give instructions. Um, and so we go to churches that already have our RUs open and do an anniversary Sunday or or holiday Sunday or uh, we do a training like we did this weekend. I'll tell you, we're very excited about this church and other churches coming together and doing an RU and working together. Mm-hmm. We believe the local church is God's support group. Mm-hmm. And so we do not start an RU without the backing of a local church pastor and a church. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, you had several in the community say, hey, let's get it going, you know. Yeah. Right. Now we're all under the cornerstone. We're grateful for that. But just that camaraderie of the community, and then there's a particular building downtown mm-hmm. where they're going to be meeting. And I just think this could be a unique setting and opportunity to help so many people. And so Ms. Burks and I have been thrilled this weekend to see the potential what God's gonna do here
0: oh yeah I know when Mm -hmm. Dave came back from Rockford he was even more on fire than when 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 he went there and uh, I know just talking to him about all the different ways they can plug in and the good contacts that he's made and uh, just over the past couple weeks has just been been great yeah I think Mm -hmm. we're in a great place I think there is a real need for addiction uh, which we talked to Dave uh, he kind of helped us define like what addiction is and what types of things people can be addicted to that that really opened my eyes up to more than just uh, I guess what I pictured all Mm -hmm. the the different people that it it, it does help and, and how the program mm-hmm. changes from inside and inside out. And, I mean, that's the only way that you can have true change and be a new person. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I, I think that's great. And, and like you had mentioned, too, that the coming together of the different churches, I mean, in this, we're in a rural setting, um, smaller churches, and I know that there's going to be such a need that we're going to need more people than we can staff. So that's where we mm-hmm. were able to pull together with like-minded uh, churches to hopefully provide the staffing that yes. Dave needs to, to get these classes underway. I, I know he's super excited about yeah. getting yeah. everything going.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Ms. Burks. I just thought we could turn the tables – and we could ask Beth and Levi questions about the conference <laughs> training and see we can see how well they see how well we did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. I can only no, be responsible.
0: No. I can only be responsible for Friday's <laughs> questions. But we
1: have to remember that they've got the switch to turn it off over there. <laughs> that's so we stay in this observant <laughs> role here. And that's a wrap. So <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right. there are some you were right. You mentioned it. You said you know, you sometimes get it in your head of what addiction looks like. Mm-hmm. And many times we just think um, kind of that down and outer maybe that homeless person or that person that's an alcoholic or a drug addict and mm-hmm. there's there's a great need for what I just mentioned but there's so many other addictions out there and um, there's su- there's such great need whether it's an eating disorder or um, pornography or even shopping addictions or you know anything that controls you, one? Rather than the other, the Holy Spirit of God controlling you. One
0: that really stuck out to me was depression. It was uh, something I didn't even think about being an addiction. But I mean, this is something like an oppressive thought that is constant. That I just I know it's yeah. a huge problem. It's very it's,
3: real too. It's yeah. very yeah. real.
0: It is. Yeah. In the field that I work in, I, I'm a 911 dispatcher and reserve sheriff's deputy, so I get a the privilege of <laughs> uh, answering phones of mm. people on their worst days, and it's. Mm-hmm. It's been a really bad couple of weeks, too. I mean, yeah, suicides. Suicide. We've image. noticed
1: that right after any holiday, especially this mm-hmm. time of the year, there are more suicides, more difficulties, more problems, more police mm-hmm. dispatches. And uh, thank you for what you do. Yeah. We yeah. really appreciate you. And that's one of the connections Dave will be doing soon, probably, is getting with the police and the dispatchers and just telling them about the program because the goal is to get as many people in the community that – that know about the program have, uh, have the tracks and the advertisement so they can help us get people in that place.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dave actually wrote a letter that I I just finished my cover letter that I'm going to print off and uh, take to our sheriff and our jail major to, uh, be able to offer, uh, hopefully those people that, (laughs) that do suffer with addiction, uh, an alternative to, uh, the other types of counseling that I know they already yeah. offer. And, and something that David mentioned is the success rate of RU, uh, he's boasting over 80%, correct?
1: Yes, yes, sir. We, we, um, we've we not had that certified yet, mm-hmm. but we do call back and have churches that have a chapter for five years um, ask everybody that graduated from the course. And so that doesn't count the ones who came and quit, Yeah, but the ones who actually finished. Mm-hmm. Um we, we asked them four or five questions and all of them are still sober clean 80 80 to 86 percent um when the numbers would come in it was all would always be higher than an 80 percent success rate mm. that's great and uh you can ma- you know there's many different ways to look at that but and we're trying to get the money right now to be able to get certified statistics and you pray with us on that yeah that'd be, yeah, that,
0: yeah definitely yeah. um Something else I wanted to ask. Um, whenever you guys go to these churches, I know you said you'll, you'll come for anniversary meetings and uh, also, too, whenever churches are starting new RU chapters. Um, what I know Beth and I, I was able to come Friday night, and Beth was able to go Friday and Saturday. What types of things do you guys, um, I guess, present during the, uh, the training to... Uh, not only the new directors, but also the volunteers that uh, are planning on coming and helping.
3: I think really what we try, well, first of all, RU has an incredible set of curriculum that really makes running the class very easy. Um, You know, when my husband first went to that very first meeting about RU back in 2000, when it started going to other churches, and he came home so excited about the ministry and couldn't wait to start it. I'm going to be honest, I wasn't as excited about it as he was. I didn't go with him. I didn't see what he saw, and it scared me a little bit. And so, you know, because you have that mental vision of what it's going to look like. And I felt like I was inadequate. I wasn't, you know, qualified to lead a ladies' group and help women. And I didn't have this in my background. And I thought I was going to have to go to the college and get new training. And and though that is wonderful, our curriculum is laid out, which really makes it easy for any leader to help someone um, through our curriculum, basically it tells people how to walk in the spirit, so they'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so we come in and we kind of help to remove some fears, one, and tell them what it looks like and who they're going to be dealing with, how the classes run, what we've learned the hard way, so you don't have to make the same mistakes that we did, and what we've seen that works, and and how we do it, how we um, reach people in our community, and and how we advertise, and. And, and and not only that, but how we partner with those in our community. Um, you know, you, we mentioned depression already in my heart. I, I mean, immediately I have so many faces that pop up in my head of women that I've dealt with who who suffer with this debilitating um, thing that has them in bondage. And um, I've worked with them with their medical doctors Um to, to help them get back on the right path. And, you know, my heart hurts from them because in years past, people used to go to, like, their pastor or to someone to help them with different things or family members. And today it seems like we go to the doctor for everything. And we have great doctors in our area, I'm sure, like you do, but many doctors do what doctors know how to do right prescription. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they've gone to school to learn how to do. And so, But that's not always the right answer. And sometimes one medication leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And before you know it, you're so addicted to so many different things. And if we could just go back to that when it first started, that root issue. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. We come in and we try to give an overall picture, help people learn how to do it in their community and give them a heart for hurting people.
0: I think that's exactly what you do whenever you come in there. Um, uh, David sent me the videos before, but the cardboard testimonies and the different, Mm -hmm. I think, I'm going to link to those down in the show notes for this, so that way people listen to it, they can... Go and watch it. It's just incredible to see somebody, what they came from and what they're what they're doing now, just the transformation there. Yeah. I think the that transformation
3: is beautiful. And we said it just a little bit ago, and I say it everywhere I go, that Jesus is better than any beauty cream Yeah. yeah. because he really does transform them from the inside out. And I love watching how they start to glow. Mm-hmm. And I see being that group leader for that many years, I worked with so many women because we have women's groups and we have men's groups. And I would work in those women's groups, and I watched women – literally become beautiful right before my eyes. And it was the most supernatural thing I've ever seen. And it really was a joy to watch them learn how to walk with him and get that personal relationship with him and see their lives change.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um.
1: Levi and Beth, we are excited about how not just people are going to the classes around the country, but we've also developed a personal recovery kit for those who may, maybe there's not a class in their area. Okay. And if you go to our website, are you you can find that personal recovery kit. And, uh, you know, with some church member who would be a sponsor and help them go through the materials that could be just as instrumental in delivering and rescuing and helping somebody from a stubborn habit. We also have the same curriculum that goes into the jails and prisons and, um, I just the other day heard that one out of every 31 adults in America is in jail or prison. Mm. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I, I would about to believe that. Or,
1: yeah. or maybe it's one out of 30, every 31 that has been in jail or prison. Maybe that's mm. – um, have to check that. But one <laughs> yeah. or the other. Nevertheless. Regardless, I was going to say – yeah. I believe either
0: one, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so – I may be talking to somebody who's going to watch the podcast that you got a friend, a loved one, a brother, sister, Mm -hmm. somebody incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Reach out to RU Recovery and let us get some information in there because locking them up is not going to change them. It's not. Sometimes it's
3: the safest place for them to be for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, by the way, if you're listening and you have a son or a daughter, sometimes it's good to leave them there for a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and not bail them out right away. And I know that's tough love. That's what that is. And it's not easy and you don't want to do that. And nobody's going to want to hear that. But the Bible makes it clear that, um, that prodigal son came to the, came to the end of himself when no man gave unto him. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's when he decided to go back home. That's when he reached out for help. Yeah. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, but the best thing we can do.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Kind of let them sober up for a second and mm-hmm. and, and think. And I mean, they may. I, I've heard stories of people meeting people in jail. Oh yeah, I know
3: a lot of people that have gotten saved in jail, and mm-hmm. their lives have been changed in jail. And they get out, and they find an RU or they find a church. They get back, you know helping them to get out of that place where they were because going back to those same friends is going to take them right back to where they were. But if they can get out and that's why I just, we have a heart for an RU program in every community. Right.
0: Yeah. That's that's where I had a question later on about um, the different programs that you have. There was uh, the RU Recovery Program, obviously. RU Kids Club, Full Throttle, <laughs> Discipleship. Um, RU Inside, which is the one that's for the prison, correct?
3: Mm-hmm, correct.
0: Um, RU Residential. What What is Uh, So
3: Kids Club and Full Throttle. Kids Club, obviously, when people start coming to RU, many times they have children with them. And so we want to help the whole family. And Kids Club is mirrored after the adult program only it's it's just the opposite so for example in kids in the adult program we have these things called ten principles principle number one is if god's against it so am i in the kids program it's if god is for it so am i okay and so we're trying to help the children not make the same mistakes their parents made and that's exactly what their parents want too and so they'll bring their children sadly they won't bring their teenagers as much Mm Um, And teenagers can stay home on their own, things such as that. However, we have a teen program for when teens do want to come. And it's quite an exciting program, and it's called Full Throttle. And it's been very successful as well. We probably have at our church about 50 kids right now that are coming on friday night for the full throttle program
2: Oh wow. Okay. and
3: it's using your church kids are actually the leaders in that and so that works out really well our residential program is a men's and women's home that we have in rockford illinois sometimes people need to get out of their element mm-hmm. out of their area right. and it's a six-month program where they can come and um get the help that they need kind of like in a greenhouse effect where they you know, are removed from outside elements, and they focus on that walk with God, and we kind of get to those root issues, and we help them with structure. Um, and it's a hard program. It's not easy. Um, but they come, and that's that's really great because we get to see God change people's lives kind of quickly because they have that greenhouse effect, so to speak. And yeah, so, kind of that right. intensive, yeah, concentrated very dose. So, that Yeah, very intense. And so we place to go back yeah. to. And oh. so that's a lot of fun to watch God do that, too. Yes. Over the
1: Christmas holiday, my wife and I, Christmas season, my wife and I, on Christmas Day, we went to the men's and women's home and served them their evening meal. And uh, there was a man there. you remember his name?
3: Yes, uh, it'll come to me. In just Jay.
1: Jay. Jay was, had just got into the homes just a few weeks before. And unequivocally, we get every walk of life you can imagine coming to the home and so, just because somebody's not spiritual or religious, doesn't mean they're not a good fit for our home. As long as they're willing to give faith a try, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the case for this guy. He he would he would told you, "I serve Satan. I worship Satan. That's what I'd, I've done in the past." And he said, "I I was out to destroy Christians. You know, I don't like you people. You know," mm-hmm. but he started to listen to the preaching chapel every day and. People started encouraging him, and he thought, man, these people are as bad as I envisioned them to be, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, last Wednesday night, I'd been out of town, but uh, I'd heard he got saved. And I walked over to where he was, and he jumped up and came over and gave me a big hug. He said, Brother Brooks, I told you I'd tell you. He said, I got saved on Thursday. And he was so excited. But, man, I mean, in fact, he just got saved. And uh, another one of my staff members was doing chapel a couple of days ago, <coughs> And he said, after chapel, the guys communicate and talk a little bit. And this guy got up and came to the front of the room. He says, "You guys know my name's Jay. I just got saved." And he said, "I'm a new Christian. I'm a baby Christian." And He said, "Pastor Kingsbury just talked talk to me about being a baby and last Sunday service." And and he said, uh, he said, "Some of you guys are cursing." He said, and some of you guys are being critical. And he said, "You're not helping me. That's hurting me." I need you to shape up, you know? Yeah. He said, I'm brand-new baby Christian. And Sir, Cisco, my staff member, that was listening to this, he's thinking, man, this is the better sermon that Ben Brooks and I has ever <laughs> preached. And it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, they, they teach us stuff when they get in the Spirit, yeah. walk in the Spirit. It's a wonderful environment. You can find out more about it at ruhomes.org. And maybe you know somebody. Well, call us up and let's see if we can get them in there.
0: That really speaks to the Holy Spirit coming inside. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt because I'm sure he comes from a hard background. To all of a sudden, he's sensitive to these things mm-hmm. now. He has yep. a, he has mm-hmm. that. I, no I, doubt. I, yeah, that's just yeah. that gives me goosebumps. And that's thinking just about. something
3: too. You know, so many times, and I know I've seen this, and I know I've experienced it in my own life. You know, I li- I was I was I started going to church when I was 10 years old. My parents were saved, and we started going to church and You know, but the truth is, I was scared of people that maybe were out on the street, and you know, I was separated from them. My parents sheltered me from Mm -hmm. that environment, and I was doing the same thing with my kids. And so, but what happens with that is sometimes we, we don't just insulate ourselves; we isolate ourselves, and we're not reaching out to those who are hurting. And then on their side, because I've talked to them,
1: they're scared of us. They're scared of us. I mean, let's face it, we're weird. You know, many
3: times we're weird and we're you know some goody holier than thou and right. goody two shoes and don't give them the time of day and you know if we could just break down that barrier and we can be kind and basically be christ-like and and reach out and because there's people in your community they in your towns and probably even in your churches that want help they don't like the life they're living they're, They they don't like the bondage they're in And they just need somebody to help them get the chains off and jesus will do it but we just got to help guide them the right way and they just need somebody to a real friend somebody to come up beside them and love them and show them the way
1: amen
0: yeah i'm encouraged to hear you say that i mean i think a lot of times churches get into that whole standpoint of they want to keep themselves isolated um and i guess if you have i mean you can be in the world and not be just like the world. But, I mean, you have to go out into the world because that's who the, we were. Yeah. That was the great commission. We were told to go out and preach the right. gospel. Yep. And, I, I mean, there's no difference in sitting in a commune somewhere. That's right. <laughs> right. If, if we're not going to go out and, that's right. and actually I always live tell, it. I
3: teach Sunday school, so I always tell my junior high girls to be a chocolate chip. That sounds weird. But when you're making chocolate chip cookies, you mix all of those ingredients together. Everything blends in except for the chocolate chips. Yep. And so we have to... Be a part of the cookie, but we don't have to blend in. You don't have to become like the world to help the world. And so, but we do have to go out there, and we do have to reach them, and we do have to help them. But don't blend in. Be a chocolate chip. Be different, um, but not so different that you're scaring people to death. <laughs> you know. So reach out. Be friendly. Be kind. Show compassion. That's what Jesus did. I mean, he gave us the greatest example in his word. We see how he lived when he was here on earth follow his
1: example yeah beth do you see me over here i'm writing down you know what i'm writing i always steal my wife's sermon yeah he's <laughs> writing down be a <what> doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. yeah
0: you mentioned growing up in church and always being in church that's the same way um i mean there's people that go i go to church with now that changed my diapers back <laughs> when, right. when, I, when i was a baby right. and then i went to a christian high school uh, martinsville uh tabernacle christian school in martinsville and, uh, yeah we played and you in basketball been.
3: when I was a kid oh yeah you were you weren't even thought of <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs>
0: so that was a long time ago <laughs> yeah and then after high school I decided I wanted to pursue a career in law enforcement and then my mom was like you're out there with the people that we tried to protect you from this <laughs> right. entire time like, well, I want to help right. them yeah, so I like I have that I have that foundation I have that root so I'm not going to be shaken whenever I'm out there and see these hard things yeah just because I mean there needs to be good strong Christian men out on yes, that's right Amen. There. Amen. yes
3: indeed yes indeed. Uh, and we brought up three children. So our kids, when we first started RU, they were ages three, six, and nine. And quite honestly, that was one of the biggest questions in my head. What am I going to do with my children? Oh yeah. Because in my head, in my self-righteous, very um, carnal mind, I said, what am I going to do with my kids? I can't take them around those kind of people. Mm. Right. And um, God changed me in this ministry in a great way and used the curriculum to change my bondage of self-righteousness and um, our children all grew up in RU. Our middle child was the first one to complete the kids club curriculum and then all of our kids did the curriculum and were a part of it and today they have a real compassion for people. Our oldest son is a youth pastor in Chicago. Our middle son, he is now a web developer. He's put together many websites for churches and things like that and our daughter's in nursing school. But they have a heart for hurting people, and they see it. But they also see the real side of sin. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look glamorous to them at all.
0: No, I, I think that's very important. I mean, that's a that could be a whole other podcast just right there on parenting. But mm-hmm. they, they saw that in you, and I guess just seeing the realness and genuineness of you, you're you wanting to help the people. And I guess, like you said, knowing right from wrong and making sure that was a clear line. Like, yes, we're going to be with these people, but that's not I means we're endorsing their behavior. We're, right. we're trying to help them with this. Uh, I think that's great i think a lot of churches um i guess people christians in general suffer from losing their kids because they're living one way at church and another way during the week i mean you have to need to have that consistency and (coughs) genuineness and not just teach them how to put on a face for sunday
2: right right Right. like i
0: said that could be a whole other podcast right
2: and didn't you say going back to your kids that um your son who's a youth pastor got to like um preach for like a 45 minute sermon to an AA group. Yeah, it was an I AA. They,
1: they had found out that who their dad was, who his dad was, mm-hmm. and Josh had given some illustrations. And so this guy who was putting together the schedule says, hey, would you like to speak? And, and my son uh, said, sure. So he went and preached and <coughs> gave the talk, uh, the religious talk that night and preached on Jesus. And over 50 people received Christ as Savior in that meeting. Awesome. And, uh, Out of, like,
2: did you say around 300 people yeah, were there? That's yeah, so cool.
1: Yeah, and right. so I think he's doing it again. I think I asked him that. He said it was coming uh, up you're again You're looking at yearly. me, like, asking me, and I right. haven't
3: heard, so I don't know. Because
1: I make stuff up once in a while. Right? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> in the classroom, you guys uh, talked about the different models of addiction. Can you speak to any of those? I, know that, I think you said there was the disease model, uh, impaired model, and biblical model of addiction.
1: Yes, uh-huh. Those are the three. I think you can look at every addiction program and you can uh, place them in one of those three. Um, the world wants to focus on the disease, the physic- physiological, uh, and they want to categorize them as something they cannot help, they cannot change, there's no cure, they're going to be like that way. And so, literally, they really believe that they can be sober, but they can't, the desires will never go away. Hmm. And that's certainly not true. We 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 have too many testimonies of it, and I'm not going to argue with somebody listening to the podcast or in me at my sermons. I'm I'm just going to bring up the testimonies, and we can be here till the morning, because mm-hmm. uh, I can get them on the phone, and we can get them mm-hmm. to text them and Facebook, and you know story after story after story. Yeah, I can call Dave well, right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right,
3: right. Something. And God uh, can take away the temptation yeah. completely. You can be a new creature in Christ. Right. Old things are passed away. All things are become. Th- that's new.
0: what Dave described it as having this hole, like an actual physical hole that he was trying to constantly fill. And it was just always hungry, always hungry. And then whenever he got saved, he said, he said, he's like, my cup was full. He's like, then there was more to run over. He's like, like literally, he goes, it was
1: yeah. instant. And it's weird because sometimes it happens immediately at salvation. And sometimes it happens later, and that's a good point to bring out because I think some Christians, when they don't see that change, they're assuming they're not saved or mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't mean it or, you know, and uh, because because the student has a has a, uh, a element of trust and obedience that's needed, God has a part in it and we have a part in it mm-hmm. according to Second 2 Timothy 2, 24, 25, and twenty six. Um, it, it's different. It just, and so many, many times preachers will look at people like that and say, well, you, know, you just need to get saved. And I'm telling you, Steve Currington was saved. Um, I, I worked with the man for over 10 years, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, over 10 yeah. years. And um, honestly, the man got saved as a child, but when he turned 18 and walked away from all of it, he was in an addiction for ten solid years, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, when he came back to the local church, it's because after the ten years of that addiction, he had an accident in a neighborhood. He went to get some crack cocaine, and he ended up being in a T-bone accident where another drunk driver hit him, threw him from the vehicle, busted both lungs, bleeding, dying in the ditch. There was only one lady that lived in that community because. It was a brand-new construction. Homes were being built, and she bought the first spec house. She called 911, saved his life. And none of his drug buddies came to see him, none of his Sunday school teachers. But a Sunday school teacher from 10 years earlier walked into that hospital room and said, Steve, we don't know how to help you. Your parents, your pastor, we don't know what to do with you, but we know the answers in the Bible. And, boy, are they ever. Mm -hmm. And um, Steve... um, When he got out of that hospital room, he went immediately uh, to live with his parents. And the first Sunday morning, he heard his mom getting ready for church. He got up, put on blue jeans, collared shirt, long ponytail, tattoos. In fact, he used crack cocaine that morning to get enough courage to go to church. Oh, wow. Because they were still in his pocket from the hospital. Nobody checked his pockets. (laughs) Wow. And so he rolled out of the hospital with that cocaine, and he used it the night, the day, the morning of going to church. And when he walked into the back of that church, the head deacon Doug came around and put his arm around and said, "Welcome home, Steve. We're glad you're here." And that's, you know, that's, that's key. a. Uh, It's key for us to accept them and Mm -hmm. to want to help them. And Mm -hmm. And by the way,
3: Steve had a long ponytail, but you didn't mention his (coughs) hair was fiery red. It was really orange in color. So that ponytail kind of stood out
1: a little bit. And and everybody knew that's somebody different in our church. Because our church didn't have those kinds of people back then. Mm -hmm. And uh, years later, uh, as that pastor started helping Steve and he overcame those addictions and then he had a burden to help other people. And well, he met a young lady in the church and they chased young lady and she started dating him and he started dating her. And after several dates, they fell in love, was going to get married. He went over to her house on a Sunday afternoon and told the story I just told you with a few more details and particularly about his past life. And um, when he got to the part about the accident, the, her mother got it from the table Visibly shaken, she was crying, and she left the room. And he's thinking, "Did I say something wrong?" In fact, he said those words, and the stepfather says, "Oh yeah, it's not looking good for you, pal." You know, because he he just stuck his foot in him somehow, somewhere. At least that's what everybody's thinking. Mm-hmm. We well, told the
3: story of his past, so yeah. he's thinking she's going to pull the plug on this oh, and yeah. say, "No way."
1: Yeah. So she came back, and she opened the Rockford Register Star newspaper that was three years old. And says, Steve, does that look familiar? He said, yeah, that's my car in the ditch. Why do you have that paper? And she said with tears, she said, because I lived in that house, I called 911 and saved your life. Oh, that's oh wow. So cool. That became his mother-in-law. That's oh,
3: awesome. Yeah. Wow. And it was that story that Pastor Kingsbury, when all that was realized, yep. it was like, wow, we got to tell other people about this. Yeah. yeah. And that's when it started spreading and other churches started hearing. Hmm. And that little Bible study in a small room in a church in Northern Illinois has now spread all over the world. Yeah. Huh.
1: And my mother in law jokes have gotten really good since then. <laughs> you know. Because every mother-in-law wishes she hadn't have done that after that, you know.
0: I can't say any of my mother-in-law listens
3: to That's this. That's right. One. <laughs> oh yeah, you to be careful. His mother-in-law lives with him now. She Here's lives what with I
1: us. say. I love my wife's mother-in-law. She's a wonderful lady.
3: Oh my word. <laughs> I caught that. Yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> No, I, I think
0: like like uh, you had mentioned earlier when Steve came to church and then the, you said it was the head deacon came back and told him mm-hmm. welcome welcome home. I think I think that's like you mentioned that's that's crucial. Mm-hmm. We I think so often the church sees people that maybe don't fit that church mold whenever right. they come in. I think they've maybe they've been in I don't know desensitized to it maybe yeah. that's the, the yeah. word but they forget what they, they were saved from well we never that's
3: admit what, it but we judge people based yeah. on right. their looks and mm-hmm. i think steve probably i wasn't there when steve walked back in but i was there when probably the most unique person ever walked into our church and she was her name was ashley -hmm. And, um, but she had a mohawk, which I've seen people with a mohawk before, but Mm -hmm. this was a mohawk that was lime green, orange, and pink. So it was really bright. And she had multiple piercings. And when I say multiple piercings, I mean, Everywhere she probably had about twenty on her face, and then she looked like she fell
1: in a fishing tackle box and went boom. Because I mean, they were they were everywhere. They
3: were, and she wore that day. She had on cargo shorts, a a crop top that was sleeveless. She was carrying a Grinch, a green fuzzy Grinch um, backpack, and she had on um, hiking boots. So. That's a little unique. That's not something we saw every day. She was somewhat unique and different, but she was also extremely nervous when she walked into church. She mm-hmm. had been at RU on Friday night, and she stood in the back of our church rolling this little booklet that she got was given, and one of the things she has to do in that booklet for a challenge is come to church. Mm-hmm. And So she's standing there, but she is so awkward and feels nervous. And one of the most beautiful things happened. One of our workers from RU on Friday night and I her name is Francis been, Francis Calvert. Calvert and she was an older lady older lady to the fact that she didn't even walk she shuffled oh. so picture <laughs> a lady shuffling across the back of the auditorium and she put she walked up to Ashley and put her arms around her and welcomed her to church and went up with her and sat on the third row of our church with Ashley and so, and that's the kind of church that we have now because we've seen this for so, so much. And right. it's it's like a part of who we are. Our, when you walk in our church, it doesn't matter how you're dressed, what you look like, you're going to feel comfortable because you're going to see other people just like you. But we have men in suits and we have ladies in fancy dresses. But Francis Calvert took Ashley up to the third row that morning in church and loved on her and made her feel comfortable and Ashley got saved that morning. Oh Oh, wow, that's
1: awesome. That's awesome. I I remember when we started the RU program in Lynchburg and um, I had picked some people up on a bus and had some other responsibilities on Sunday morning, but Richard Jett came to me, he was one of our deacons. He says, hey, you got a couple RU students at the back door. I said, really? He said, yeah, so I ran back there and there's two guys that walked in. I'd never seen them before. They hadn't come to Friday night. And I shook their hand and I said, uh, hey, fellas, I'm so glad you're here today. What brings you to our church? And they said, well, we um, we're drug addicts. And we went to the church down the road a couple about a half a mile. And we walked up there and they asked us the same question. We told them and they said we were at the wrong church that the church down the road helps people like that and told them about our church. And I was dumbfounded. I mean, I was yeah, like. Yeah, that,
0: that church turned him away. Turned I was like, away.
1: you got to be kidding. And I, but I, he, before I could say anything, he says, you're not going to tell us to go somewhere else, are you? Oh, wow. And I said, absolutely not. Yeah. We're glad you're here. In fact, one of those boys was a relative to a well-known evangelist in America. Hmm. And, um, and we put our arms around them. We helped them. We encouraged them along the way. And so glad for that opportunity. But you're almost getting known in the yeah. community. But that's not a bad thing. That's no. a Christ okay. thing. That's a say, biblical that's, thing. That,
0: yeah, that's a good right. reputation to have right yeah, there. That even, really but, I mean, it stinks that the other church yeah, turned because, them away. But, I mean, it's yeah. good that they knew that, hey, this church can help you. What yes. most
3: people don't realize is how much um, courage it takes for somebody that's been out in the world and has been beaten up out in the world, mm-hmm. and literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. and has had a hard life how hard it is for them to walk through the doors of a church sometime. I mean, they feel like they're, they're not worthy. They Honestly, I've heard many people say, I thought God would strike me dead if I walked through the doors oh, of yeah. a church. And they think they have to get cleaned up before. They have to change and get right and get straight and get you know, sober or whatever before they go to church. That's what they really think. And so they try, but they're very unsuccessful. And we're sitting over on the other side going, well, they just need to go to church. They need to read their Bible. They need to pray. Well, we need to help bridge that. We need to help them cross that bridge so it's not so difficult, so they don't feel so out of place. And that's why it's so important to meet them at the door and welcome them. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And Levi, I think one one of the things with RU, when you look at the workers who work in RU, Without fail, one of the one of the things we hear of the people from churches that get involved is two things. Number one, I came to RU to help other people, but quickly after I got there, I realized I had issues I needed help with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second thing you hear is I did not have a relationship with the Lord like I thought I did until mm-hmm. I got in RU and began to do the challenges and get in the journal. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of Christians who do not have the relationship they want to pretend that they have with the Lord. And so if you don't have one and people come in, well, they're not going to catch it because there's no way to, okay, what do you do? How do you do? Let me see you do it, you know, and coming to church three times a week and doing this and doing that and doing the other is, that's not going to show them the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, we trust to obey. And uh, when we trust, there's an obedience that follows. But we got to talk about the trust. We got to talk about a relationship with the Lord. And that's what this whole premise of this program is built on. It's not about more rules and more regulations and stop doing this and stop doing that. It is truly about a personal, dynamic love relationship with Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like putting a bandaid on a bullet hole right yeah. there. I mean, you got to fix the, fix the problem inside before yeah. we can worry about the outside yeah I I don't know a lot of things to
2: I think that rolls right into um one of the diagrams in the training yesterday was the the righteousness versus self-righteousness versus unrighteousness can Mm -hmm. you
3: speak to that a little bit more yeah would you like for me Mm to? okay I certainly will by all means when God um, created mankind he created us in his image and we were created a trichotomy which means we have, and the Bible talks about it, we all know it, we have a, um, well, we we do it in this order. We say we have a body because that's what we see. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we have a spirit, which is how God communicates to us. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, their spirit died. And God told them that they would die, and it did. And so since that time we're born in that image um, and our, until we're saved. And the Bible says when we get saved, our spirit is quickened. And and we become a new, man. A new, become man, a in new man in Christ. Yeah. And our spirit is quickened. And that's how we can fellowship and and, and talk to God. So um, when we live in our flesh, that's where all that unrighteousness comes from. And the Bible taught, And we know what that looks like. Nobody's going to doubt what that looks like. You can go to jail and often see what that looks like. But um, But then we live... Um, In righteousness, that's only done in him. That is, and the Bible calls it the fruit of the spirit, Mm -hmm. what happens when you live in righteousness. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. But many times as Christians, like he said, we try to do that ourselves. Rather than be in Christ, we try to do in Christ. We have to remember that God created us to be human beings, not human doings. Now, if you are in Christ, you're going to want to serve him. But many times we serve him in our own power. And when we do that, we try to love and have joy and have peace and long suffering and all that fruit of the spirit. We try to do it ourselves. We mimic it. Mm-hmm. We, you know, so the true definition of love is the willing, saf- sacrificial giving of oneself to others without thought of return meaning it doesn't matter what you do to me i'm still going to do for you but instead we we take on self-righteousness which is the loving giving sacrificial giving of oneself to others with thought of return in other words i'll Mm -hmm. scratch your back you scratch mine and we're willing to give as long as you don't cross me or we have joy if our circumstances are good But if our circumstances get out of control or we don't like our circumstances, now we have frustration. And many Christians live what we call the redundant Christian life because you're doing it in your own power. And you see self-love and frustration and worry and doubt and meanness and harshness and um, impatience and um, self-reliance and all these different things. We're trying to live out his fruit, but we're not doing it in him. We're doing it in our soul, in our emotions, in our feelings, in the way we think it ought to be done. We try to look like a Christian, and instead of being transformed by the renewing of our mind and living in him and communicating with him through our spirit, we conform to his image by performing. we become like actors and many times people don't do this on purpose they're just doing it the only way they know how Mm -hmm. and paul says in the bible that it's the devil just like he tricked eve in the garden with the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life what she wanted to have what she wanted to do what she wanted to be we get caught up in that same thing he dupes us with what we want to have what we want to do what we want to be and so we may not fall over into this unrighteousness but we'll definitely get stuck in the bondage of self-righteousness.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I like that. I like that definition. That kind of like the separating. Mm-hmm. With, I think that 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 make, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have to teach anybody to to sin. I mean, it's our right. sin, our sin nature since the fall also, comes
3: very natural. Yeah.
0: You'd also um, uh, during the first talk, are you? Because are uh, you kind of runs in talk, talk, talk. Those are the three different. I remember that. See, you can quiz me. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. They uh, give it to me in Spanish. Oh, <coughs> a, a blah, blah, That's pretty good. It. wrong tense, wrong tense. <laughs> uh, but
0: you go over the 10 principles of recovery. Um, and I think I have them all down right here. If God is against it, so am I. Yep. If sin has, every sin has its origin every, in our heart. Yep. Um, it is easier to keep the heart clean than Let to clean. clean up, or to clean it after it has been defiled. Yeah. Uh, we cannot fight a fleshly appetite by indulging it, or indulging in it. I'm sorry. You, you got him. You probably. Oh, best got him here. <laughs> I think I got him here, too. Um, I typed him, but it's really small. <laughs> small, com- small compromises lead to great disa- uh, yeah. disasters. Okay. Uh, that's big
1: sins lead to
0: little sins.
1: Little, sins, Little lead to big sins,
3: sins lead to big sins. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, those who do not love the Lord will not help to, us to serve the Lord. Yes. Mm-hmm. Principle six.
3: Our uh, sinful habits do hurt those who are following us. Okay. Number seven. Number eight. Start it. It's you have it possible. Uh, it is impossible to fight a
1: fleshly fight, appetite yeah. by indulging in it. It's
2: Quiz time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number nine. We lose our freedom to, to choose. choose when we sin. Our consequences mm-hmm. are. Right. Inevitable, inevitable, incalculable, and, and up to God. God. And number ten, God balances guilt with blame.
1: When we accept the blame, God removes the guilt.
0: I think I, that's great foundation for everybody. Like mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. I, I think um, I think these books I flipped, I flipped through the ones that um, you gave us to do this week. Uh, I, I think having something to get Christians in and studying the Word. I think a lot of times they. I'm not sure if Christians lose motivation in finding different studies, and I know you've gotta be careful too going to like a Christian bookstore because there's lots right. of other stuff out there that you people uh wolves and sheep clothing i guess yeah. mm-hmm. um but I mean all of this is just i think building that relationship yeah. you can't be christ like if you don't know what Christ looks like mm-hmm. and um I mean we use the Ten Commandments to show show us where our where we can't can't do it on our own and what we need to be saved from, and then using these to kind of show us uh i guess just grow in a christian walk
3: right yeah it's I think just great principles to live by in our everyday life right
0: yeah
1: and i think you're dead on i think one of the biggest struggles in churches and amongst christian people is they look at a, the bible as a book of information and they go to the bible to get information about god mm-hmm. and whereas the information in god's word is only there primarily there to help you build a personal dynamic love relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so we do that through reading the Bible, studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible. But there's one more step that the world has stolen a word in our, in our society. And that's the word meditate. Mm. And there's so many different forms of meditation and many of them, all except for one is unscriptural, unbiblical, not healthy. Um, the, the Zen kind of meditation that's being taught in our country, um, recent days, uh, you find it on podcasts, you find it on the internet. Yeah, the clearing just, your mind. Yeah, yeah clear mind, your yeah. mind. That, that's not a biblical yeah, yeah, concept. Yeah, that's not in the Bible anywhere. No. An idle know.
3: mind is a devil's workshop. Yeah, right. exactly.
1: That is in there. Yeah. Yes. yes. And so our program, when they learn these truths, we want to get them to the place where they pause and meditate on it. They carry mm-hmm. it with them. Um, I got my verse from... Uh, This morning, and let me pull it up here, I've got a, um, it's in my pocket as well, but I wrote some extra things down here this morning. We always read the book of Proverbs, encourage our students to read through the book of Proverbs, whatever day it is to read that particular proverb, and um, this morning I was in Proverbs 13, it's the 13th day of January. And I read the verse uh Proverbs thirteen twenty-two. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for uh, laid up for the just. And so I dissected that and defined that verse, which means I got an eighteen twenty eight dictionary and maybe looked in stronghold strong strong oh, concordance. Concordance. strong concordance. Uh-huh. I use eSword online, I think it's one of the best. And so I begin to do that, and then I, okay, Lord, how do you want to apply that verse to me? Because that's the one that stuck out in my mind. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, that's the one that I felt the Holy Spirit, I believe God has a rema word for every Christian every day, a particular word in his Bible that he wants us for today. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So God's got in every word somewhere for you today. He's got a word for me today. He's got a word for me tomorrow. And I got to get in there and find it and by faith meditate on it. So here's my meditation today from that verse. A man that is a good man focuses on the next two generations with anything he considers valuable, such as wealth. Anything you're thinking about your children, and your children's children. In fact, when I was thinking about that all day, I was thinking, Lord, give my oldest son a a child so he can have grandchildren. (laughs) Because you have a grand puppy, right? Yeah, we have a grand puppy. We're not talking about that. That's a wrap. wrap. (laughs) Uh, and uh, And then I wrote this down. His children and children's children are blessed. The wealth of sinners or wrongdoers is laid up and used by the righteous. And man, I begin to think about that. I'm thinking, man, Lord... If that's, I want to claim that promise, you know, because there's so much in the RU Recovery Ministry. We're looking for partners, and uh, I'd like for God to s- take send some of that wealth that's been laid up for the righteous and and the just. Uh, we need some of that this week. We need yeah. some of that to get the Tagalog uh, uh, scriptures printed in the in in the Philippines, and we need that to do some jail prison work. And mm-hmm. um, and uh, there seems like there's opportunities to do so much more, but you got to have funding to do it. And so that was a verse all day long I've been claiming in my heart, believing that God's going to do something miraculous and we're going to be like, where'd that come from? We're not going to have an explanation for it. Because God's going to store it up and send it in some other direction. You know,
3: we know this is God's ministry and we know God will provide and he will take care of it. But we fail sometimes. I know I do. I fail to ask. And there's people out there who want to partner with ministries like us. And I fail to ask. I fail Mm -hmm. to ask people. I just think, well, if they want to give, they'll call us. God's going to provide where God guides, God provides. I have complete faith and trust in God. But I really do fail to ask sometimes and say, hey, if you want to be a part of God, doing, if you want to see some miracles, come to RU, because we see miracles. And if you want to be a part of it and you can invest, please. I mean, because faith-based, we're a not-for-profit. We're Mm -hmm. faith-based. We don't get any government grants. We don't Mm -hmm. get money. Insurance doesn't pay for people to come through our program. And so it, we... We have bills. We have things we'd love to do, but we can't because we mm-hmm. don't have the money. And mm-hmm. so we're waiting for God to provide, and He will in mm-hmm. His time. But I'm sure that there's people out there who want to give, who want to be a part. Please call us because we'd love for you to partner with you. Yeah, I
0: think you. just yeah, sharing the word, and I think once people realize that all the different types of people that are, you can help, mm-hmm. and then just the fact that it's not it's not this magic program that's all put together. It's just getting them. You got to change the the yes. heart. Uh, I mean it's a heart problem. I wish I
3: had somebody with you with me right now. I have so yeah. many friends. You saw the pictures just a few minutes ago on that that video, mm-hmm. but it still brings tears to my eyes because I've seen what God's how God's changed them, what mm-hmm. God's done in their life. And and I know how real it is. And I've watched their lives change and I see families put back together, husbands and wives, relationships restored, kids go back to their moms. And there's just there's no there's no words to describe how wonderful it is to watch God put something back together that the devil works so hard to destroy.
0: I think it's important for Christians to see that too. I think a lot of times Christians they get saved and then they forget what they were saved from. And mm-hmm. then to see someone that was saved from the sin that they were saved from mm-hmm. I, I think just I think it's refreshing and encouraging to know that Yeah. That's the same God. He's yes. he's still there. He's still changing yes. lives and it's mm-hmm. it's not that he's wearing out or slowing down. not at
3: all. Not at all. And there's
0: nothing too big that he he can't save you from. It's so very true.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. I have one testimony here and just got this. It's a man that was in the military. He says, hello, my name is Brian, and I grew up in church, going, going to church with my family, but none of us really made an effort to get to know the Lord intimately. It wasn't until I was deployed to Iraq that I began to realize that God is almighty and he is the only one who can deliver us from evil despite the fact that i knew of the almighty power i continued to sin i was released from active duty i used drugs and alcohol continuously and then i met this girl and began to do things we shouldn't have done and we was involved in marijuana on a regular basis he said oh we went to a large church but but because of the our lifestyle they did not want us to be around them very much so we quit going GOD FOUND US A CHURCH THOUGH, MY CURRENT CHURCH IS CEDAR HILLS IN MISSOURI. IN THIS CHURCH I BEGAN THE RU PROGRAM, AND THIS PROGRAM AND THE POWER OF GOD HAS HELPED ME SO MUCH OVERCOME MANY STRONGHOLDS IN MY LIFE. SINCE STARTING THIS PROGRAM I HAVE BEEN DRUG-FREE AND REALLY BEGAN MY TRUE JOURNEY AS A DISCIPLE OF CHRIST. IT IS A LONG, TOUGH JOURNEY. But the only one, only way to complete this journey is to put full trust and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God, through the It's Personal Daily Journal, it has helped me to focus on my Savior. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are truly blessed, finding, as He promised, perfect peace and rest. I thank God for the perfect peace and rest I now have in Him. It's amazing, and there are hundreds, oh, yeah. thousands, thousands of military thousands. people. Yeah, and something that we haven't
3: mentioned is the success that RU has had in helping people with PTSD, mm-hmm. which is also oh, a yeah. very real thing that oh, yeah. a lot of people are suffering with today. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it, I mean, it, yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. I know at my work we deal with quite a few people that suffer from PTSD. Is it's as super sad just knowing that what is. sacrifices they've made for this country yeah. and, and the. the price that they're paying for it it doesn't seem like they're getting much help either other than another prescription another, another prescription, prescription or alcohol or yeah. and none of those mix well with alcohol right. no.
2: Yeah. no
3: no indeed
0: yeah no i am um, also sorry beth you going to say?
2: oh no you can go ahead
0: no i was just gonna say if churches do want to start a local chapter um how would they what would be the best way to get into contact with you
1: well there's a couple ways one is to go to our website are you and uh find uh in the at the one of those tabs at the top, it'll drop down, say start a chapter. and okay. there's a little form in there. just gets a little bit of information that sends my staff an immediate email, we'll call, we'll email, we'll call you. Uh, if you want to call me, my number is eight one five two four six two eight seven five. that's my cell number. Okay. And again that's eight one five two four six two eight seven five. and we want to help. In fact, I'll give you my wife's cell phone number. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we really, we really, really do we want really to see do. as many of have, these things open as possible.
3: We have people that are sitting in our office that are answering telephones too, and that number is eight one five nine eight six zero four six zero. Also, if you have someone that you think, oh, wow, they really need a program like they were talking about, that six-month program. Same number, 815-986-0460. We'll get you in touch with all the right people.
0: Amen. Okay, one more uh, question, kind of all in the same lines. What if somebody knows somebody that's suffering uh, from addiction or somebody from from depression or something like that that they think RU can help, but maybe they're not close to a chapter? I know you said that there is the... um
1: Personal Recovery Kit. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's RUrecovery.com forward slash... PRK, I believe is the is okay. the, but if not, just type it into the shop, the store, P, personal recovery kit, and it'll come up. It, it wells in that kit. What's in the kit is uh, a set of the materials. Mm-hmm. There are there are some topical books that deal with specific fifteen of them: alcohol, drugs, heroin, huffing, uh, cutting, um, tobacco, on and on, just fifteen different topics. Written by a medical doctor that tells you what those things do to you, physiological pornography. I mean, there's a bunch of them. And uh, and then there's a testimony from somebody that was delivered through the RU material, introducing them to the answer Christ. Um, and then the back of the book has a clear presentation of the gospel in it. Um, that's in there. There's a booklet for the sponsor to tell them exactly what they need to do to help the person on a weekly basis, one hour a week to get through the material and encourage them in the material. There's also several DVDs that they can watch, an introduction DVD, a DVD about their journal, a, you know, several DVDs like that. We also um, strongly encourage everybody doing the Personal Recovery Kit to log in to the rurecovery.com forward slash live, L-I-V-E, And you can watch a live class every Friday night, 7 p.m. Central Time. We also pre-record all of those, so you can go back and watch all of them, or watch it at a later time if you missed it. But you can watch the first talk, Testimonies, and the last talk, which is the um, message for that night. During the middle talk, we have a program, much like this program. We call it RUHQ Live. And one of my workers. Uh, Cisco is the manager on that. And uh, he talks just like we're talking now. Mm -hmm. He interviews people. He interviews students. He interviews leaders. Um, He talks about issues of recovery. And so Cisco would be a frontline kind of a person, are you recovery.com forward slash live. And to be a part of that on Friday night. Um, Those are some ways you can get in touch with us and learn about us. And uh, our website, you can find a chapter on the front page of our ru recovery.com website it says find a chapter you click on that put your zip code in it'll find the closest one to you and um and if you've
3: never seen an ru class in person you should go watch it online you should just see it one time i know when my husband came home from that meeting and he wanted to start an ru back in 2000 and i wasn't so keen on the idea He took me to Rockford, Illinois, and I saw the class on Friday night, and I left there in tears, and I said, I don't care what it takes. I want to see that happen in my church. Oh, wow. And it really is very unique. It's a very unique meeting. It's not like any other church service, Um, but go watch it. Go see what it's about, and you'll see what I mean.
0: Well, it sounds like you guys have made it very accessible to anyone. It it doesn't. sounds like it's easy to send a link to somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess that kind of leads me into my next question, and I apologize if it's a hard one, but – what what if there's somebody out there listening now that knows someone or is personally suffering from addiction? What would you recommend? The first step being for that person, I guess. I guess I'll narrow it down a little bit more for somebody that knows somebody that's suffering from addiction, but doesn't know how to present you to them without, I guess, coming Sounds off like offensive preachy. or
3: mm-hmm. Preaching, yeah. not judging. Just yeah. walk up
0: to. How her. do you get that started? Because I know this program is so powerful and it can help so many different people. What is that first step in, in getting them the information? Would you recommend sending them the link to the video or
3: you can, I think, I think personally and this, but this is the type of person that I am. Um, I think sitting down and and loving on them, you know, asking them questions. Hey, where, where's your life going? What's going on? Are you happy? Are you really satisfied? Here's the deal. You may want to help somebody. And if they don't want help, you really can't help them. You can't help somebody unless they really truly want help. And if you try to, you're going to be the one that ends up needing the help. I'm not kidding. So you have to wait till they're ready. But if you just start asking questions, and if they're not ready, just say, hey, here's something I picked up. Maybe you just want to read it. Or, um, But then, you know, asking them questions, getting to that point and saying, hey, I want to help. I want to help you get the help that you need. I want to help you get the help that you want because I know You probably don't like where your life is right now either, and you don't like how this has control over you. And you and I both know things could be better. Let's go get the help together. And I think them just having somebody to do it with them would really help. Mm
1: -hmm. Ms. Burks, I think that's a biblical answer because you go back to the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned. They were in a garden, and they went and hid themselves, and God came to walk with them and talk with them, and that's exactly what he did. The first question he asked is, hey, where are you at, Adam? Mm-hmm. Now, we know God's omniscient. God's everywhere. God knows where he is. Mm-hmm. But God wanted Adam to know where he was. And he found out by asking him a question. Adam, where are you at? And I think sometimes we need to have that love and concern where we sit down, Hey, where are you at? How, how, what's mm-hmm. going on? You know, I like to ask the question, how's that working for you? Particularly those who talk about their addiction but do nothing about them. Or they think that, well, oh, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, you know okay how's that working for you mm-hmm. you know um the second question that G- that God asked Adam and Eve is who you been talking to you know that's a good question who you been talking to mm-hmm. where, 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 where what what are you basing that on because I promise you the world of addictions there's so much schizophrenia there's so much um voices voices Spiritual that warfare. wrong kind of voices that mm-hmm. they're listening to. Yep. and so we need people with that that can be calm cool collective and ask the right questions the third question the lord asked uh, him was um he said number one oh what are you doing he said what, what have you been doing you know that was the third question he asked and uh, i think that's a good illustration Ms. Burks i think that's yeah. definitely I right agree. on with you know my answer. verse.
3: you know he read his verse from this morning and actually the lord's been getting the verse that i wrote down from this morning is actually talking about that very issue because and i have some close friends that have relatives that have been in addiction and and i get it they steal from you they lie to you they and i know i've i've i I have students that have stolen from their families to the point that they've lost their businesses they've stolen cars they've stolen money and you know They've burned all their bridges, and he said we spend time with them on Christmas Day, those who are in our home, and it is heartbreaking because many of them don't have that relationship with their families anymore, and they know it, and they have extreme regret now. But the verse I wrote down this morning um, in 2 Corinthians, Paul was actually talking to the church there at Corinth about people who had caused grief. And you know, a lot of times that's what an addict is. Is somebody who's caused great grief and great sorrow in the lives of others, and in their own life, and they're living in it. And in Second Corinthians chapter two, verses seven and eight, it says, "So that contrarywise ye ought rather to forgive him, and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow." You know what that is? That's somebody that goes and commits suicide because the they can't take it mm-hmm. anymore yeah. and the next verse says paul saying to the church wherefore i beseech you i beg you that would you would confirm your love toward him and i think that's the biggest thing you can do is yes yeah, sometimes you got to do that tough love you can't enable them and loving them's not paying their bills but loving them is going and sitting and putting your arm around them and asking them questions letting them know you sincerely care and you want to help them, but giving them that one way of help, not their way, but showing them the real way. Get them to an RU, take them to their pastor, take them to an a, a addiction program of some kind, but get them true help from God's word.
1: It's, it, you know, it's, it's it's having compassion. It's their pain in my heart. Yeah. And, you know, most people never illustrate that because they're so selfish. Because they're all they can think of is the the harm that you, the, the the bad reputation that you're giving me, yeah. and w- hey. what others are people are going to say about my family because of the actions you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
3: I lived that life too. That I was that self-righteous Christian. I was that one that said, "Well, they made their bed, now they got to lie in it." Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. maybe we need to go help them make the bed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same wrestle that people have with uh, the drug Narcan, where it brings mm-hmm. people, people back, back from yeah mm-hmm. from overdoses, and I've personally got to administer narcan before mm-hmm. and people always argue like well how many times are you going to to do this to an addict mm-hmm. as many times as is needed yeah. because maybe this is a time that they realize like hey this guy cared more about my life than i did yeah. and maybe maybe this is maybe this is the answer maybe yeah. this let's is let's
3: not enable them with safe rooms though where they have needles no and, i agree and, with that don't enable them yeah but at yeah. the same time let's help them mm-hmm. and point them to christ mm-hmm. um And I think that's the key.
1: Oh, yeah. I do think that if any good thing can get out of control, though. Mm -hmm. I think there are paramedics who can't really help somebody who has a legitimate problem that they didn't bring on themselves. Yeah. But they're not going to get the opportunity to do that because the paramedics are going for the 14th time to that drug dealer or that drug addict, you know. And again, if it's my brother, I'd want them to the say, mm-hmm. you know, we've, I've seen it happen as well. I'm not minister, but I've seen yep. somebody else administer it am I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it, but somewhere, somewhere down the line, there's got to be some more but consequences. But that's not the only or, answer. No, that's what not. it is. No, yeah, it's right. not. No, yes. Yeah.
0: No, I agree. Well, thank you guys so much for being nice, here. Thank it's you been, so much. Yeah. Spending so much time with us. I think. Uh, I think this is great. I think it'll be another good resource for people to see what what all uh, RU has to offer, and uh, maybe if somebody's out there and they have a church that wants to start an RU yeah. program. They now know, or if they have a loved one that's suffering from addiction, they right. they now know of uh, maybe not be close to an RU class. They know of something that they could to yeah. get them and it show them matter. how much they care about them. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much, thank you for Levi. Us.
1: Thank you, and you know you've already said it's a wrap. I've already said it's a wrap. <laughs> I think we ought to let your dear wife, uh, Beth, say it's a wrap. (laughs) We're going to sit here and wait for her to say it's a wrap. All right. right. Thank
2: you, guys. It's a wrap.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Done deal. (laughs)
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to check the description for the links mentioned during the show.
2: And as always, be sure to check out our social media at New Revival Podcast and share us with your friends.
0: Yep, thanks for listening.